Judges 16 and verse number 18. I know it's a familiar text, and so uh, we'll read these verses and have a word of prayer, and you can be seated. Judges 16 and verse number 18. And when Delilah saw he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines come up unto her and brought her money in her hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help us these next few moments, give us the words and the wisdom, and I pray the Holy Ghost would speak to our hearts tonight. I pray, dear Lord, that uh, we would receive with meekness the engrafted word, and may we do exactly what you would speak in our heart about doing in all things. And we'll love you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I know that every one of us are familiar with the story in the life of Samson, so uh, for the sake of time and familiarity, I'll not uh, deal with a lot of Samson's life because we're at the end of Samson's life. And when we come to the end of Samson's life, it's always interesting uh, to look back through someone's life and see what was their life marked by. When you consider where you and I are at today, our life could end at any moment. Hebrews 9.27 says that it is appointed a man once to die and after this, the judgment, we do not know when we're going to die. But whenever that final chapter comes in all of our life, it's then that others will reflect back and look and we'll talk about the legacy of the life that we've lived and what we have left behind. Really doesn't matter what we think of our Ourself or what we say about ourselves, or even what others are saying about us during the time. What matters most is when people view our life as a whole, then uh, it tells the story as it all has unfolded as it does in Samson's life. And when you think about Samson's life, here's some things that comes to my mind. I think about his strength. For Samson, we know that Samson was known for his strength. He was a very strong uh, individual. And then I think about Samson's stubbornness. If you look back through Samson's life, it is almost more every bit as much with stubbornness as it is with his own strength. Samson was a man that God had gifted and God had blessed and God was greatly using, but his stubbornness seemed to always interfere and get in his way, for Samson could not separate between what God wanted for Samson's life and what Samson wanted for his life. It seems like that Samson even used the talents and the gifts and the abilities and the power that God had invested in his life, and he used it for his own self-gratification. And so Samson's mark, a life is marked by stubbornness and then it is certainly marked by selfishness, amen? For Samson went through life never really thinking about the individuals that he hurt around him. He always thought about himself. He always thought about what he wanted and what would make him happy. I remember one passage there where he told his mother and his father when he saw that woman of Timnath knowing what God had said and knowing what his parents had said, he went against the counsel of God and the counsel of his parents and 
said, get her for me, for she pleaseth me. And the number one word in Samson's life was me. I'll stop and say we're living in a me generation. Isn't that right? A generation that thinks about themselves. They live for themselves. They, they don't care about how it hurts others. They're always consumed with themselves. And so a Samson's life is definitely marked by selfishness and stubbornness. And then we would have to say it was marked by sinfulness. Amen. For Samson uh, went against the law of God. He broke every vow that had been put in his life. And uh, Samson never valued the spiritual things of life. In fact, had it not been for Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 32, every one of us would have thought Samson died and went to hell. For he lived as the Philistines. He lived as every other sinner. But somewhere along the way, uh, Samson had faith. We know that because the word of God says that. And it proves this point, that if a man or a woman is truly say they may live in sin but they will not continue in sin they may do things after they got saved that they did before they got saved but the problem is uh, they'll not live very long doing that and Samson is a living testimony that you can get what you want but it'll cost you everything and there was a high cost for this low living in Samson's life when we come to this text tonight I see here in this chapter that we are at the end of Samson's life but we're also at the end of the road of sin for Samson, amen? And I wanna preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the end of sin, amen? The end of sin. You see what the devil does tonight is he dangles some things in our face and in our life that looks attractive. He puts things in our pathway that entices us and that, that we desire. What you may desire may, may not be anything that I desire. And what I desire may not be anything that you desire. But the devil is a master. He's got a lot of tools and a lot of tricks in his bag and I grant you he will pull something out that whips the appetite of every sinner and we're all sinners, amen, that is sitting in this building tonight and that's exactly what he does. He shows you the beginning. He shows you the pleasures of sin. He shows you the prosperity of sin. He shows you all the goodness that sin has to offer and the enjoyment that you can have and it will even convince you that it is God's will and God's way but what he does not show you is the end of sin. And friend, what I want to preach on tonight is not how things started, but how things ended. Amen? Because I'm telling you, that's where we're at today, folks. I'm more interested in how this thing's going to end than what's going on tonight. Can I get a witness on that? Well, there's so many people tonight that are basing decisions off the pleasures of their life and their flesh. And just like Samson, they may be saved, but they won't listen to the counsel. That's been put in their life. Again, God gave me this message on Monday and by eight o'clock last night, I was fully convinced. I was preaching exactly what God wanted me to preach. Both sermons, I thought, Lord, you're doing something. And I want to tell you, this morning, this evening, you'd be a fool to sit there and not take the counsel that I'm about to give you for two reasons. Number one, it's out of the word of God, amen? That's a good reason to listen to it. And number two, I've spent time in prayer, ask God's will and God's way. And I'm not standing here tonight flapping my gums and telling you something that I think or that I believe or that I feel. I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost put on my heart on Monday afternoon and what he wants to say to this congregation tonight and the, what he wants to talk about is the end of sin, friend. How's life gonna end for you? He said, well, preacher, I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful, so did Samson. When I think about Samson's life, it was his pride that got him in trouble. Pride is worse than any sin you can think of. Do you realize that? 
It's worse than alcohol. It's worse than any drug you can take. It's worse than, worse than any sexual perversion you can think of. You say pride, preacher, is worse than, it's worse than gambling. It's worse than anything we can name. You say pride, oh yes. Do you realize that every sin that's ever committed came out of pride? Pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride is my friend. Listen, what destroyed this world in the beginning when Adam and Eve thought they could take things in their own matter. I'm talking about every sin is birthed out of pride and Samson lived his life by pride. I've watched people in church, I've watched a proud look destroy people's life. I've watched people sit in church and not take the counsel, not take the preaching, thought that they didn't need it, not they passed it on to somebody else all the while, not realizing that they were building a life of destruction one block at a time. That's where Samson's life went to. Samson thought he had the world by, by the tail. He thought he could do what he wanted to, live as he pleased. I'm here to tell you God gave Samson chance after chance. God was merciful to Samson, but I'll tell you there came today when mercy and grace ran out in Samson's life and Samson no longer found the grace of God. He found the judgment of God in his life. But when you think about this tonight, the end of sin, Samson, if you could just rewind the past. Samson, if you could just go back and look at the beginning. I want to tell you tonight in our churches, people don't think about the end. They think about the here and now. They got big plans, big ambitions, big goals. I've watched people stiffen their neck, uh, uh, harden their face, and, and over time, their heart gets harder and harder, and every time, uh, they say, there's no way I'm going to that altar. If I go to that altar, well, then that, that might please the preacher. Well, y'all not be worried about pleasing me, but I'll tell you, it would please me to see some folks get right with God tonight. Uh, you say, well, I'm not gonna bow my head and bend my knee. I'm not gonna admit that I was wrong. Listen, that's what Samson's attitude was, uh, and there's a high price to pay for that, friend. Uh, everybody else around you, life will go on, but your life will go down the tubes. You'll face destruction. You'll face tears of regret and tears of sorrow and the heart of, of your own will become more bitter and more, more malice as time goes by only to find out that in the end of Samson's life, just like yours, it led, my friend, a life of disobedience, led to a life of destruction and a life of death. Samson's life tonight. The end of sin. What did it call Samson? I want you to notice in these scriptures tonight in verse number 20 that the Bible tells us here, verse number 18, that it calls Samson his lady. The Bible said that when Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, he sent and called for the lords of the Philistines saying, come up this once for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and bought her, brought her the money in, her, in their hand and she made him to sleep upon her knees and called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. Samson is laying there in the lap of Delilah the woman that he thought was loyal to him, the woman that he loved, the woman that he had sold out everything for her, that he had gave out everything that was holy and decent. He gave it because that's what Samson wanted more than anything in life. His weakness always was women. It got him in trouble in the beginning and it's got him in trouble in the end. And Samson thought that if there was anybody on earth that would have stood in his corner, if there was anybody on earth that would have stood on his side, he thought it would have been this woman. But it cost him the very love of his life 
life. The one that he thought would stay with him in the end was the very one that betrayed him. Can I tell you tonight, that's what sin will do. Sin will stroke your hair and sin will love you and coddle you and sin will tell you that life is wonderful and things are good and that everybody else, doesn't. they don't want what's best for you, but sin will make you feel good about the things in your life. All the while, what it's doing, friend, it's tightening the noose just one strand at a time around your neck. Hear me well tonight. I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to speak to somebody in this church tonight, if not several, to tell you the end of sin is you'll get what you want, but it'll cost you everything. He wanted this woman, but it cost him everything. And in the end, she proved to be untrue to Samson. You know, tonight there are people that thought alcohol was the answer. It proved to be untrue. They thought gambling was the answer. Oh, they thought, listen, they thought they thought a good time was the answer. They thought their friends and their buddy was the answer. And I want to tell you, there's some even sitting here right now. You're looking at me like a calf at a new gate because you, you're looking at me right now like, well, I, I'm just not interested, preacher. And you may not be tonight. And there's not anything I can do about that. But what I can tell you is there's coming a judgment day. And one day you and I are going to stand before God. And we're going to have to give an account of this service and this day. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you how I'm going to the house tonight. I'm going to the house and pillow my head and knowing I did exactly what the Holy Ghost wanted me to do knowing that I did exactly what he laid on my heart to do I, I tell you there's no greater joy and peace uh, than knowing you minded God uh, and obeyed God you say have you always obeyed God you know I haven't uh, but I'm here to tell you friend uh, I want to be in the center of God's will I want to do what God would have me to do don't you uh, I don't want it to cost me uh, the valuable things and the blessings of life don't you know God had a woman for Samson he did just wasn't the one he wanted. And tonight, God has a will for every one of you and I. And Jesus prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You know, one of the things I'm so tired of as a pastor, and I'm not fussing, I'm preaching. I'm tell you what I'm tired of as a pastor in this day and time. I'm just gonna bear my heart with you tonight. I'm tired of watching people Go down life that you pray for, you try to help, and all of a sudden when they want something, it becomes the will of God for their life. And it doesn't matter how many verses of Scripture you roll out before them, they've done made their mind up what they're going to do. And there ain't nothing I can say about it, nothing I can do about it. Well, that's heart-wrenching tonight. But what I will say this, we're not going to, listen, this is not a place where you can come and just, can. there's one thing I'm not going to do as a pastor. And that's be manipulated that something is the will of God when I know it's not the will of God. Now, if there was one person in this church I was talking to tonight, I'd meet you in a private room somewhere and I'd talk to you personally. But I'm not saying it because you say, well, that hits me. It's supposed to hit you. I'm not preaching around you. I'm preaching to you. That's why you came and that's why I got up here. Amen. But I'm telling you, it's not one person tonight. There are people sitting here tonight. I fear for the path you're headed down. The problem is you don't listen. Preacher, you think you know everything? No, but I know somebody who does. And I'm going to tell you how I was raised now. I believe in what this Bible teaches. When the man of God, I'll tell you, when I was a teenager, when my man of God came to me, even when I was a young adult, and he said, hey, you better listen to what God laid on my heart. My ears perked up. It didn't matter what I thought at that minute when the man of God said this is what needs to be done, I followed the man of God, amen? 
We're living in a society, it ain't that way no more. And I'm telling you, your man of God is telling you tonight, I don't know everything. You know I'm not a Lord, I'm not a dictator. I don't wanna make decisions in your life. But but when I see you going down a road that's headed to nowhere, that's gonna wind up in destruction, you better believe I'm gonna do everything in my power to wave the flag and say, don't go that way. I love you, I care about you. All I'm trying to do is help you. Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Listen, you can get glad, mad, you can lump it, bump it, or whatever you want to tonight, but I'm just trying to tell you, you better wise up and you better listen up tonight. There's a high price to pay. There's no prize for sin. There's a price. He lost his lady. It cost him his lady. Secondly, not only cost him his lady, but it cost him his Lord. Notice what the Bible said in verse 20. Samson, the arrogancy. You can see it in verse 20. The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He woke out of his sleep and he said, I'll go out at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed. Now we know that when you get saved, you can't lose your salvation. That's not what I'm implying tonight. What Samson lost was that touch. That hand that had been on Samson's life was taken off. Brother, I've seen that. Have you seen that before? People don't listen and that hand goes off their life. I'm telling you, things start spinning out of control and I don't know, Brother Laddie, I don't know if it's just the the deception of sin within itself. I don't know why that this is, but you would think at some point they would wake up and see their life spinning out of control and say, oh God, it's, it's my fault. It's, it's, it's the cho- Lord help me, but instead they just seem like they just keep rolling down that road and going down that road thinking somehow they're gonna straighten things out. But I'm here to tell you, don't straighten out. That snowball gets bigger and bigger. It just gets worse. You gotta go back to where God is. You gotta go back to where God was. You gotta repent. You gotta say you're sorry. You gotta say I'm guilty. You gotta say I was wrong. You gotta give everything to God. You gotta swallow that pride and humble yourself and lay at his feet and say it's nobody but my own fault. And if you don't do that, there's a high price to pay for that. I'm telling you, say, can you lose your salvation? No. And I'll tell you what you can't lose. You can lose the blessing and the hand of God in your life. You can lose that touch. And I don't know about you, but I need his touch. Amen. I'm not talking about just preaching. I need his touch when I get up in the morning. I need his touch throughout the day. I need that unseen hand to stand between me and hell, between me and the pitfalls of this life. Without it, I'm gonna make a mistake. I'm gonna take a detour and go the wrong way. Samson lost the Lord in his life. You can sing the same songs, but it doesn't mean anything. I'll tell you what else he lost tonight. Notice he lost his liberty. Look what the Bible said in verse number 21, but the Philistines took him. They put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. You know, all Samson really wanted in life was to be free. And doing things Samson's way, he can go home and read his whole life. It doesn't take that long. All it ever did was put him in bondage over and over and over again. Samson thought that if he kept doing things his way, life would finally give him a fair deal. Instead, the Philistines, the type of the world, they take Samson and they blind him and they bind him and they break him. Samson's in a prison house, but I want to tell you tonight, there's a lot of prison houses, folks. But there are people tonight 
They're living in the prison house of marriage because they wouldn't listen. There's young people tonight, they're living in the prison house of perversion because they wouldn't listen. There's people tonight living in the prison house of alcohol, the prison house of pride, the prison house. There's all kinds of prisons that we lock ourselves up in because we don't listen. Samson wanted liberty, but liberty is not in disobeying God. Liberty is in finding the will of God and doing the will of God. You know, tonight, I've never met anybody in the will of God that was miserable. Anybody I've ever met in the will of God was happy. Anybody, they weren't perfect, but they're happy, amen? I'm telling you, when you're in the will of God in your marriage, you're happy. Somebody say amen. When you're in the will of God in your church, you're happy, amen? You say, well, I just ain't getting out of church what I used to. Well, it ain't us that's moved. Somebody say amen. We're still preaching the same book, singing the same songs, doing the same thing, amen? If anything's changed, it ain't on this end, friend. But I've watched it down through the years. People come through them doors, and this is the best thing since sliced bread, and they loved it, and they loved the church, and they loved the pastor, and they love the preaching and they love the singing and all of a sudden they get sideways and something happens in their life and all of a sudden they don't love the singing, they don't love the preaching. All of a sudden things are different, things have changed. Hey, we've not moved, amen. We've not moved. You know what happens? You let things get in your heart. You start drifting. Samson's drifting closer and closer to the edge. He, he doesn't have any liberty now. I think about people tonight that used to sit where you sit tonight. And I thought about some of them tonight, the bondage that they're in. I'm gonna tell you, that don't make me happy. That grieves my soul tonight. Wouldn't you like to be able to go round all them people up? And I don't wanna go tell one of them I told you so. You know what I like to do? I like to go around every one of them up and bring them in here tonight. Get them around this altar. And our church fall over them and pray and weep with them and see them get right with God. Wouldn't you like, well, wouldn't that be wonderful? The problem is they're in places you can't get them out of tonight. And there are people sitting here. I believe all my heart God's given you a solemn warning. You're gonna lose all the good things God's ever gave you you don't hear me tonight and then finally he lost his legacy Samson's life and legacy he lost his life and his legacy as the Bible said in verse 28 and Samson called unto the Lord and said oh Lord God remember me I pray thee and strengthen me I pray thee only this once oh God that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes you know God heard that prayer, didn't he? But what a bitter, sad, vengeful prayer. Samson is not praying to repent. He's mad about his eyes being gone. Samson wants to die. I've watched people die spiritually. Samson took hold of two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand of the other, with his left, and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. That's a sad commentary, isn't it? Dying with the Philistines. Could have died with the people of God, but you died with the Philistines. How many people, saved people, have died in the world and as the world and of the world? And he bowed himself with all of his might, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which slew in his life.
Samson dies such a tragic death. Alone, sad, by himself. You say, preacher, that's a sad commentary. That's his life. Don't let it be yours. Don't let it be yours tonight. You better hear me tonight as your pastor. I said it this morning. I won't say it tonight. I'd rather have a clean church than to have a crowded church. A crowded church. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to run nobody off. You know that. But I think this is where we're at. I think we are at a place tonight in 2019. And there are good millennials in this church and there's good young people in this church. It's not an indictment, but it is a fact. We're in a place, we might as well face it. For the most part, people are not going to take preaching like they used to. Amen. And there are some that they're going to take it until it hits a sore spot in their life. Don't, listen, when I get through preaching tonight, I'm going to be standing right back there. And if you want to come talk to me and go off in a room, I don't care. I'll be here till midnight tonight if I need to be. But don't call me this week. And now if you're an ER, call me. But don't call me this week when I stood at the back door and say, we need to talk. You come talk to me tonight. Amen. Brother Gravely, why are you saying? Because I'm, I'm telling you, pastors are wore down, friend. They are wore out. You have no idea. It's a good church. I'm not complaining. I'm just testifying what's true. You have no idea what it's like dealing with this younger generation. And all the bottom line is this. They want their way. They want you to say something's okay. When if they had just listened to that book and listened to that preacher, you don't need for a phone call through the week try to convince me of something. Let's go off in a room. Let's get our Bibles down. Let's pray together. Let's talk about it. Let's find out what God wants. Not what you want. I don't know if, you say, preacher, have you heard anything? No, if I did, I'd be talking to, I have talked to people because I have heard things. But that's beside the point. But I'm telling you what's the fact today that I think we're facing a generation that they want you to tell them what they want to hear rather than what God says. I don't know how that's going to end up for us. But I'll tell you how it's going to end up for me. I want to cross the finish line knowing I stayed true to this book. I'll tell you how it's going to end up for this church as long as I'm here by the grace of God. We're going to keep it right, tight. Can I get an amen right there? We're not Pharisees. I do not want, listen, I do not believe for one second people look better going. They do coming. But if people have to leave because we're not going to tell them what they're doing is okay, the only thing I know to say about that is they have to leave. Well, that's sad, ain't it, Brother Danny? That's so sad. If it ain't but about 20 of us in the end, I want to be one of the 20, don't you? I do. I don't care if it's family, friends. I don't care if it's a rich person in the church. I don't care if it's a poor person. I want to be one of the 20. I just want to have a place. I mean this. I just want to have a place where God breathes. Amen. That's all that matters. 
It's carpet and lights and building and that sign out there. It don't mean a hill of beans. It don't mean nothing tonight. I want to have a place where somebody, I don't know who, but where somebody's children and grandchildren can still come hear the truth. Not watered down. And hear it in love tonight. I, I ask you as we stand to search your soul. If you don't, I'm going to tell you something tonight before we give this invitation. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an explanation. You don't owe me anything, but I'm going to tell you something. You owe it to yourself, and you owe it to God, God Almighty, to examine your soul tonight. And if you harden your heart and stiffen your neck, I want you to know right here with a Bible in my hand, you hadn't stiffened it toward me. You'll answer to God one day.